Hey, Happy Friday. This week I go on a rant about why cities like Paris banning e-scooters is actually silly, despite me personally not being a fan of them. We talk about Samsung slowing down wireless charging on its phones, and also about the worst business software that we've ever used, and more. Welcome to Friday, chill out. And instead of just reminding you here that this show is 100% funded by Nebula subscribers, I thought this time I'd also quickly break down how that funding actually works. So a Nebula subscription usually costs 50 bucks a year or $5 a month. But with my link, nebula.tv slash chillout, it's actually down to just 30 bucks. And a third of that goes directly towards our show for as long as you are subscribed as kind of an equivalent to a Patreon, while the rest goes to whoever you choose to watch on Nebula, plus the development of the platform itself. It's a great system for supporting us and getting extra content out, so go to nebula.tv slash chillout to sign up. Thanks. Hey there, Tristan Rayner, your co-host and researcher for the Friday Checkout, taping this at about 11am, and Martin from Tecata Friday Checkout. Hello to you. Howdy. So good to be back again. <laughs> uh, Martin, this week I took my e-bike out into the rain and became drenched and... Uh, Wondered why I didn't learn the lessons from your own riding in the rain mistakes that I made fun of. I told of. you. <laughs> told you. I told uh, you all the bad things. I also bought rainproof biking pants today, so I'm very stylish, but try. <laughs> oh, very good. I was going to ask if, you, if you've learned any lessons, but there you go. You have. I'd, I learned my lessons, yeah. 24 uh, euros, so not a big investment and <laughs> will keep your feet dry. Okay, so you've learned lessons. I need to learn your lessons. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, this isn't a brilliant ad either. Um, Martin, let's get started and we'll get straight into e-scooters, um, partly because I've been riding them this week while my e-bike gets fixed. And um, Martin, this is kind of a fun one because it's not just a question of will shared e-scooters survive, but uh, will cities be helped if e-scooters are going to be taken off the roads? So, so the story is... Um, uh, Paris was the latest city to uh, ban e-scooters, uh, joining the likes of Barcelona and Montreal. Um, and this, it's it's not your personal e-scooter. If you own one of these little Xiaomi e-scooters that sort of everyone seems to own, um, yeah, that's fine. But it's the shared e-scooters from the likes of Lime and Bird. And uh, in Europe, there's Voy and there's Tier and yeah, who knows how many uh, brands there actually is in the end. Um, but so so with the Paris situation is that uh, it put put it to a vote, um, and it was kind of a fun thing because almost ninety percent of votes came our, on a, on a random Sunday to actually ban the battery powered devices, but only eight percent of the entire Paris population actually voted. So the only people who were motivated enough to vote were those who really hate e-scooters. Ninety percent of eight percent. So uh, yeah. in the end. It's it's hard to say it's hard to say whether the 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 election is representative at that point because so few people turned out that the majority of people didn't even bother to go. Yeah, and those people probably like you don't know you don't know if they were against e scooters or not. No, that's right. They just they're like ah, I don't care and yeah. didn't do anything. So yeah, I, some of these votes that are that cities have are uh, do need minimums, right? Like so in Berlin, we had a recent one about um, yeah. If the city will be climate neutral, and the vote was overwhelmingly yes, but there wasn't enough people, so it didn't get ratified. But no, this is happening by September. These scooters will be off the road in um, in Paris. Yeah. So, um, 
Martin, I I want to tee you up on just and we were we were joking about this like this is just like if you just took all the taxi drivers of Paris and all the Uber drivers of Paris and then you just uh, you know anybody who's financially motivated in uh, <laughs> you know alternatives to their service not existing and you made all of them go to vote that you'd be at you know ninety percent of eight <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's right. So and whether we're... the whether the population who actually uses these was uh, uh, there or not is uh, questionable. <laughs> But yeah. Go ahead. No, that's right. So no, I was going to tee you up because there's there's two sort of angles here, which is uh, the survival question of is if there's just any money in e-scooters, and if this you know the venture capital funding seems to have dried up for for scooters, and so what's what's the yeah. future? Uh, but then also, are cities being helped by the removal of these sort of A to B trips that you can actually take on an e-scooter, where you don't need to bring the scooter back to A, you just pick it up, take it, drop it off, and yeah. you've you've gotten to your destination, or you've jumped on the train or you've been able to to get where you were going to go without having to what might have only been the option of a cab ride or an uber in the past so uh yeah what do you reckon uh i mean will the company survive the answer is like a lot of consolidation is uh, going to happen in industry we saw this in china china went through the same thing but with bikes shared bikes like five years before we decided we wanted scooters for some reason instead of the bikes um, and they had the same thing, like a million bikes were everywhere. And uh, in the end, all the, like, the majority of the companies actually went bankrupt and a lot of the bikes actually got scrapped and it was a big waste of money. It was a waste of money for the investors because it never got enough return. And it was uh, an annoyance for the city because they had to deal with all these bikes that were floating around in canals and everywhere. Um, so uh, probably the same is already happening to European uh, scooter startups. Uh, a lot of the funding has dried up. There's a lot of one buying the other and merging with a third and going into the app of the fourth and whatever. And generally, I see a lot fewer people just anecdotally uh, on scooters. Uh, so I think uh, the a lot of the interest is already uh, fading. Um, do you have any like hard numbers on, on the financial success of these? <laughs> well, there is no financial success. Well, yeah, um, exactly. I mean, a bunch of them are private companies, so you don't really know. But Bird is one of the few public companies. Um, today, it's worth, I, I mean, I literally just looked up the market cap. It's worth like $58 million. Um, it was very once, little. Once valued at $2.3 billion. It raised something like uh, $880 million. Um, it seems to make revenue of about $200 million a year, which is like, that's good money. But the cost of that revenue is higher than... It receives so it just keeps yeah. making a loss um I, i'd be interested to see if like that just if you combined all the scooters that bird owns and you assigned a dollar value to each of them would that be more than the the market cap of the company like do people value bird as a company higher than the sum of its assets and i'm <laughs> not and i'm not sure the answer is yes yeah the problem is like these e-scooters uh like they're they're big heavy boys and they're increasingly better models uh and they're obviously very costly to make and to maintain and but they're worth so little in the sort of used market because like like they're so cumbersome whereas at least your little jammy private scooter it folds up and off you go you know so yeah i don't know Uh, i did find an interesting quote which was um so when bird first emerged in like 2016 2017 it just put a bunch of scooters on the streets in Santa Monica in America uh, in the classic ask forgiveness, not permission approach. And um, right. the, very Uber and very Airbnb, right? Like we're just going to roll in here. 
technically questionably legal or whether the communities want it, we're just going to do it. And yeah. then once once we're there, we'll let we'll let the legislators figure out how to ban us. Yeah, that's right. And so, Bird's boss in Europe ended up saying, "quote Our biggest lesson was that the customers ride the scooters every day, but our number one customer is the city." So, <laughs> Paris showed it, it is no longer going to be a customer. Um, and I guess you know, is this ban going to roll out further? I I sort of have my doubts about if uh, too many American cities will will cut these off just with the whole free market sort of situation. Um, actually, Germany. This is this is by the way, this is a lie. Like America has no free markets. Like American, especially urban planning, is insanely regulated. Like you know, house zoning, street zone. Like it's all extremely highly regulated. It is just that it is regulated so you can only drive a car. It is like explicitly <laughs> legally bound, and uh, like you have to have a homeowners association. That home, like you can only build single family housing. You can only build large streets. You have to build parking for cars everywhere. It is regulated. It's just regulated specifically socialism for cars. Like that's that's what America lives. It is not a, a free market for transportation or right. urban transport. So I mean, part of the question there is: is if e-scooters have helped pedestrians in and reduced congestion in cities by reducing the number of car trips um yeah uh, and the 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 basic data seemed to suggest that yes that is true um but the reason people voted down e-scooters in paris is it's kind of like the i like to have fun on a scooter but i don't like to see you having fun on a scooter and uh there's questions of you know people go too fast on them they don't park them anywhere sensible they crash they crash into others, but uh, the point might be that actually they crash into cars because cars are still the main problem for all types of transportation in the city, including walking, including e-scooters, including bikes. So, um, yeah, I mean, so there's a couple of problems with them. One is that people parked first. It's just this is just an anecdotal thing, but yes. like the worst people ride e-scooters like whenever i see people riding e-scooters there's like a 90 percent chance that there's some like rowdy teenager who's specifically there to annoy everyone who's around them which is great yeah, but, because that's exactly what i would have done as a teenager but exactly but but i guess that teenager would be annoying other people in their free time anyway so the fact that they're doing it in, a, in an e-scooter is okay whatever um <laughs> But yeah, so uh, there's just a general like attitude uh, of people who are riding. There, then there's the parking question. Although I have to say a lot of cities have solved this. I was just in Budapest and uh, you have designated parking spots for these uh, scooters. And they're not lying around everywhere because the city finds the operators. And the operators actually have a financial incentive to make sure that they're all uh, parked in specific locations. And it's completely fine. So uh, this is a solvable solution, and I don't understand why it's so difficult to uh, to push through. Um, and then there's the safety question. Uh, I read this BBC article, which made my blood boil a little bit, uh, because it was like, you know, these e-scooters are so unsafe. And like, look, there's this case of this Italian woman who got uh, run over by two people on an e-scooter, and she died. And I'm like, okay, 30,000 traffic deaths <laughs> across Europe almost all of them are caused by cars so like <laughs> this is this is such a like if you look at uh, and we'll if you're watching the video podcast and we'll put up a graphic here if you're not we'll put a link to it in the the show notes every city every country every region all the car that uh, all the road deaths are like very 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 disproportionately caused 
uh, either directly because of the fault of a car or even if it is not a fault of a car, even if you're a stupid idiot on a e-scooter, a, a uh, it's still the car that kills you in the end. So the, the answer is, if you're worried about uh, road safety at all, um, the answer lies in regulating cars, not anything else. And in fact, if the other thing that you're regulating, which is e-scooters or bikes with helmet laws or pedestrians or anything else, if that causes even just 1% of the people to just go and get, get a car instead, you're actually creating more deaths and more uh, road, like serious road uh, accidents. Uh, the, the other thing is that uh, there's, a, there's a problem with the directionality of the harm. Because, uh, yes, we picked up this, like, single Italian woman who was killed, uh, uh, and that's terrible, obviously. But uh, the primary danger uh, for the person, uh, the, the primary person in danger of a person on a scooter is the person who's riding it themselves. Like, if you're a drunk idiot riding a scooter, you crash into a pavement <laughs> and you die. Right. I'm sorry. Like, there's some level of personal responsibility that I think society should be willing to accept. It's a dumb mode of transport. I don't really like them, other than like doing it every now, now and then. But like, if we if we live in, and I I usually hate this term, but not a nanny state, then like, to some degree, let people die if they want to, uh, or let people take risks if they want to. I mean, do regulate, you know, like do check if they drink and drive and what blah, blah blah. But like, it's if you. This mode of transport is a danger to yourself. Um, and so that's a very different thing from a car where the, the person driving is so protected from any of the negative uh, things coming out of their behavior that it's almost always somebody else who gets punished by you driving a car. So, yeah, uh, and the way to the way to be even more safe in your car is to have a giant car, which is the which is have the train. a tank. Drive a tank. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, um, kind of what you said back is backed up by what Germany is keen to do. So it's it's actually said that it's the world's second biggest market for e-scooters, which I had no idea about, which is... Um, and and I think the the most successful uh, e-scooter company, uh, at least for the shared ones, is Tier, which is based here in Berlin. They're, right. they're actually... Actually, they're, I think they're the only ones who are doing okay. Yeah, right. So the German Association of Cities, which is a very good association to be part of, um, said it. It isn't actually seeking a ban. It just wants clearer rules, speed limitations, and special parking areas. Which yeah. that that seems like the sensible approach. Um, and and by the way, there's already like uh, e-scooters uh, are already limited to 20 kilometers an hour across most of the EU. But that's that's like laughably slow. Like whenever <laughs> I bike, I I pass these e-scooters and I'm like, why are you on this stupid thing when you could bike? Yeah, I mean, my my e-bike is capped to twenty five kilometers per hour, which is. Um, but you can go faster. Like you, you yourself can pedal faster, and you'll go faster. It just the motor is not allowed to help you. Yeah, no. And but an e-scooter exactly. is literally twenty. Like it will not let you go yeah. faster. Yeah. Um. Hey, do do you do you know anyone who's crashed on an e-scooter? <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm sure a lot of people will crash. Like it, it, yeah. it's a, it's stupid. You have these tiny wheels. You have a little pothole somewhere, and you instantly yeah. fall. Like it's yeah. It's, I, it's. I don't. I don't like this. I don't like this mode of transport. Yeah. It's just. It's a combination. This is of, not the problem. It's a combination of cobblestones and uh, wet ground that, that seems to have uh, unseated yeah. some of my friends in the past, including one who broke his arm really high up. Like one of these. Uh, and you're just like, yeah. It, I, I wasn't going to make this point too much, but uh, I do think that the sharing bikes were a better solution. Um, yeah. Like Agreed. A, sh a shared little e-bike is perfect. Again. Go from A to B without having to go back to A. It's perfect. Yeah, we have uh, the service called uh, Next Bike here uh, mm. in Berlin and in a lot of cities. Uh, they're bought by Tier. I don't know if you knew. 
Oh, I didn't. Uh, okay. Yeah. So they're they're like a pan-European uh, city bike concept. Uh, and I usually just go with a bike. It's fine. Yeah. No, the bike's the way to go. I, I was, I mean, the jump bikes were legendary when they first came out from uh, the Uber collaboration with some. Um, yeah. With them. Uh, and I think, yeah, anyway, I was going to say, I think Lime bought jump in the end. Yes, correct. Uh, so c- consolidation. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So uh, we don't think there'll be a ban. Um, we don't think cities will follow Paris, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a couple more um, tourist cities in particular So uh, that, that came out with it. But Berlin was probably a test case because um, I, there is some agitation there for, for bans. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next topic, Martin. Um, we're back on the Samsung train because Samsung faced one of those sorts of problems that come up in the smartphone world occasionally where these new devices are put through a bunch of tests and lo and behold, something doesn't quite pan out the way you thought. Um, the Moon stuff has been a recent example. Uh, it seems like every Pixel release has uh, people manage to find something that's a bit weird. But uh, the S23 Ultra came under a bit of scrutiny this week because its wireless charging showed much slower charging than the S22 Ultra. So you buy the latest, you get less. Um, credit to Phone Arena for doing the work here. The numbers are, the numbers are pretty interesting. So uh, we've actually got a chart here, which we'll put up again if you're watching. Um, or we'll link to it in the show notes. But in 15 minutes, the S22 Ultra um, goes from 0 to 23%. Uh, and the S23 Ultra just gets to 14% of battery uh, charged. And overall, for a full charge, I think the, the latest is 33% slower. Um, and it isn't to do with like uh, built-in charging speed or battery capacity. Those things are all the same. It isn't because the charging pad was something different. It's Samsung's official pad that they were using. Um, yeah. and the fast wireling, fast wireless charging toggle was turned on. So what's going on? Basically, Samsung hasn't said yet. There's only speculation as to maybe Samsung saying will charge slower to protect against heat and thermal problems, which degrade batteries faster. But uh, the end result is the Galaxy S23 Ultra takes more time to charge wirelessly than the iPhone 14 Pro Max. So boo. Uh, uh, yeah, Samsung's flagship's probably one of the slowest wireless chargers among all flagships in the world, uh, especially because the Chinese ones have all kinds of uh, high wattage numbers that may or may not be good for your battery overall, but hey. Um, so the point is, we, we won't know until Samsung uh, decides, but Martin, do you use wireless charging and does this encourage you to use wireless charging at all? No, I've I've used wa- reverse wireless charging once in my life <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm fine with cables, USB-C all the way. Yeah, I, I mean, can, I can see that it's like it's a it's a long time for your battery to charge wirelessly, uh-huh. uh, and if there's uh, a lot of heat generated because the wireless charging process itself is quite inefficient, uh-huh. um, if if your battery is hot for long, then I understand why there would be a worry, maybe from Samsung, yep. but uh, I don't know. I mean, somehow Huawei and Oppo and Xiaomi managed to wirelessly charge at like sixty five watts or something ridiculous, yeah. so. Uh, I'm sure this is a technically solvable problem, but Samsung just went the easy way, and instead of solving it, they were just like, "What if we just charge slower?" Yeah, I I will be interested to see their justification if if it does come out or yeah. if it gets talked about. Um, I do use wireless charging a little bit, and with the thought in my brain that I'm not wearing out my charging port or my cables, because the charging uh, point has been like a point of failure for me in the past. So, uh, but I always prefer wired 
um, if I'm charging for any length of time. But it is nice to just have your thing on a charging pad. It's kind of nice that you can just drop it there without thinking. But it's definitely, I don't know. I feel like I'm either, I've swallowed the pseudoscience or I, I, I keep my firm belief that battery heat, uh, heating your battery is degradation. Um, and I, I want my, my, want my device to last, please. I'm not going to be able to swap out the battery very easily. Yeah. All right. End of topic. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not a wireless charging person, so I don't, I don't have anything else to add. <laughs> this is, this is nothing to me. Um, uh, <laughs> exactly. All right. Something that is something to you is, uh, overnight, Martin, Elon Musk announced, uh, that Twitter will let you, let you offer subscriptions. You and any creator will offer, uh, so you can offer subscriptions of quote, any material from long, long form text to hours long video. Uh, and as a bonus, Twitter won't take a cut of any of the money for 12 months. So you get a new monetization option via Twitter. Um, yeah, look, I don't, I mean, this is a whole thing, but, uh, remember when Elon said you get a share of the revenue from ads that appear in comment threads from like popular tweets. Look, so Martin, the, the real question is not if you're interested in this, it's more like, do you believe? No, I'm, um, uh, well, I believe that he's trying. I believe that this is a genuine attempt from his part. Uh, I just also believe that he's made such a fool of himself so many times in a row and that the, the the Twitter platform is like barely working at this point. Like it's randomly switched to Japanese to me the other day. Like, hmm. I, I don't know. Like this is, plus I, I don't know. He, he literally, uh, just this week also, uh, got in a fight with Substack because Substack, uh, created essentially a competitor to uh, Twitter called Substack nodes. And therefore he banned, uh, links going to Substack. He, uh, put a um a, he took them from a search so you you couldn't search for substack <laughs> he put some like uh put out a claim that substack was illegally downloading their database and whatever without backing it ever up and then just like this is not a platform and not a, a person you trust with your business or with anything um it's like just a, he did the same with mastodon and with instagram so it's not like this is like his first rodeo with this He's just not a very uh, trustworthy person to put uh, your faith behind. Uh, I don't understand why people keep going back for more when clearly he's like primarily just motivated in uh, building up a business for himself. So um, I fundamentally don't think. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to separate the the Elon Musk part of it with the Twitter part of it because in, at some point Twitter was cool and edgy and you could I loved it was my favorite yeah. social network and I'm so sad that it's being destroyed. And I saw one take which is this this is probably just like an OnlyFans competitor because the adult industry is still very pre- prevalent on Twitter. Um you know a lot yeah. of people seem to use that as a as a gateway to their OnlyFans. So hey, of course, Elon Musk is not going to be worried about the sort of how that might look uh, to investors or to people or to how people see him. He's just like, yeah, give me the money. Twitter has no money. We need money. So that's a, that's a pathway. Um, yeah, I don't have anything more to add other than, I don't know, like it does seem like a genuine business idea that uh, is far better than most of the ideas that he's presented uh, for running Twitter, but uh, trusting trusting. Um, that this will last more than two weeks of Elon Musk brain time is uh, difficult. To, yeah, to I would 
I would put zero eggs into this basket. One, uh, one of, as a business move, and two because like, like how can you support like a person who's done so much crap on this platform? If nothing else, just on this platform in such a short amount of time, like it's like I fundamentally want to be not associated with it. So, yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's that's you as a creator and your brand, I suppose, like evaluating that kind of thing. Whereas I guess for most people, you're just like, oh, Twitter, what can I do on here? I'm mostly just as a as a person, not even as a creator, but like <laughs> right. as a person, do not want to be associated with this. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Very good. Um, okay, Martin, let's jump over to mail, Mailbag because we have a bunch of questions this week. So thanks to everyone for sending them in. I did actually create a email address for the Mailbag, but I <laughs> Martin pointed out that I actually made the wrong address so and I failed to make the new address. So next week we'll announce the Gmail there address. There will be an email address. <laughs> <laughs> there was one. It was just wrong. So, yeah. Um, so we've got these mostly from your Mastodon um, account and uh, the Discord account, uh, Discord server. So um, thanks to everyone. Uh, we didn't have any leaks of uh, Department of Defense documents on our Discord, um, but it's still a fun place to Sadly. be. Sadly. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, Martin. So let's jump into these questions. The first one is um, probably the one that's, that'll take us the longest because uh, it is an interesting question. So uh, someone asked, what is and what will be the dominant processor architecture? Uh, when I first saw this, I said, what is the dominant pro processor architecture? And my brain immediately said x86. And then I was like, wait, there's a lot of phones with running an ARM processor. So uh, yeah, what do you reckon? What is and what will be the dominant processor architecture? Yeah, there's more stuff running ARM than x86 by now. Yeah. Um, and the answer is, of course, the third contender is going to be RISC-V pretty clearly. Uh, there were there were also other, there, these are called ISAs, instruction set architectures. Is it? Um, uh, there was also MIPS, uh, but that's kind of gone now. That's uh, being uh, replaced by RISC-V. Yep. Um so this this doesn't have, this doesn't have a timeline because what will be like eventually you can see risk coming up. But if if we say, I don't know, twenty twenty five is so sh so soon. But like by twenty twenty by twenty thirty, are we just going to see more and more ARM stuff, or will risk have actually started taking off uh, in significant enough volume that that it's like a competitor? Yeah. So I think I think two things will happen. One um, is uh, risk five will will grow. Uh, it's already growing. You have development boards. You have some first devices. You see a lot of, especially Chinese and Russian companies, who are uh, not oh, yeah. happy with the fact that uh, x86 is an American product and ARM is a British product uh, that has to be specifically licensed uh, by a private company. So these are not open systems. Um, so ever, anybody who is worried about sovereignty and wants to start from uh, from scratch is very interested in RISC-V. Or you don't have to be Chinese. To, to to dislike market dominance, but uh, but that's definitely happening. Alibaba and Baidu and everyone is designing Risk Five chips. Uh, but then the the other thing that will happen is uh, this concept of combining multiple architectures into a single package. Uh, every one of these architectures yeah. has uh, a specific benefit and a specific downside. Well, actually, lots of them. Um, and uh, we're all like all the big chip fabs, uh, Intel, TSMC, etc. They're all moving towards uh, really um, improving their packaging solutions. So basically, not just manufacturing the chip, uh, the little chip dies themselves on silicon, but how they combine them. Uh, and uh, they're all saying that essentially you'll be able to have a package that will have 
uh, part of it, uh, like some CPU cores that are maybe x86, then some part of the other chip will be uh, ARM, and then another controller will be RISC-V, and then it'll be, you'll pick and choose the benefits of each of the architectures and combine it into one package. And that's kind of the the answer. So in the, in the future, it, you won't be able to say whether your chip will be, whether this is an ARM chip or an x86 chip. It's all of the above. Is there a timeline given to that sort of um, approach? Yeah, like next, like it's already to, to some degree happening. So Intel has, uh, for example, this Ponte Vecchio thing, uh, which is like I think like ninety different tiles on a single package. Uh, I just made this number up, but it's some somewhere in this range. <laughs> um, uh, but this is like sm- uh, small volume, extremely expensive uh, stuff. But uh, it's happening. Like it's already it's already happening, and next few years. Um, everyone's doing 2D stacking, two and a half D, two and a half D, three D. All the chiplets. We're we're working on all the interconnects between these chiplets to be efficient. Um, so it's within the next few years. Okay. Uh, I then the ne- question is whether you can like efficiently architect software to take you know, uh, advantage of this as well. But it's all it's all happening. I think by twenty thirty you'll have plenty of this everywhere. Okay, that's something I'm going to have to read up more about because I have no intelligent thoughts to offer on this uh, <laughs> this idea. But uh, yeah, really interesting. And um, uh, we were going to mention uh, in in I think last week's checkout that the world's first Risk Five tablet has gone on sale. Uh, completely useless. But we're still not sure about whether oh, it has. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, it, it, it has. It has. It it was announced on April first, so it seemed like it was a joke. <laughs> but um, no, it it has announced. And it's yeah, as I was saying, completely useless if you want a tablet you can just play with but if you're a developer and you want to start building software it doesn't even come with an os on it um so you have to do a lot of work to make it do something for you but um yeah it's a sign of of what's what's to come yeah i mean if i remember correctly uh huami who's the company that um does the xiaomi mi band and also the amaze <clears throat> sorry uh, the amaze fit uh, set of wearables uh they actually have developed their own uh Risk five based chip like multiple years ago already, and some of the Mi band and uh, smart bands from them run on Risk five. Yeah. So this is like an actual product that's in the wild and has been for a while. It's a it works. Um, yeah. Again, everything has like upsides and downsides. Uh, so maybe it's not as good at uh, everything as ARM. It's better in other things, uh, yeah. but takes a while for software and compilers and like all the software stack and everything to start working on this. Yeah. Uh, but it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> you can overlay that GIF or I'll just do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Martin, what is the best and worst business software you've ever used? And this person says, I've been fighting with Jira all week, um, which is, yeah, Oof. often yeah. they, uh, there's a sad face emoji. <laughs> there. I mean, I, I don't, I, I've only used Jira relatively briefly i didn't hate it like with a passion but uh yeah i can see i can see why somebody would be unhappy about it it's big (laughs) old and complicated i i mean first of all i hate anything that has to do with the german tax system so my like the bane of my existence is something like datev which is the it's it's ridiculous it's a private company that essentially acts as the official software layer over german taxes and accounting (laughs) It's the worst. I have played with this. I don't like it. <laughs> it is the worst. They just rebooted their whole UI, which is supposed to make it modern. It's still terrible. Yeah. It's like 
uh, Maya was using it in English and the UI for, I want to say two years now since it, it was launched, uh, before it, it didn't even have English, but since then it has, it has English, but the UI ever since is half in English and half in German. Like, like every second word will be in English. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, you never know what you're doing. I've I've never once felt confident in understanding where I if I click on this button, will the thing happen that I expect it to happen? And then the other thing that I really hate with quite a passion is AWS. And, ah, um, okay, okay. This one sounds relatable. Just, it's so complicated. <laughs> like, yeah, and like so many things. Like I swear, developers design things specifically only for the command line and then like the the web interface whatever you have to engage with it you can clearly tell that this was like priority number 4052 <laughs> like i had to like delete a bunch of photos uh stored in a in a whatever in a bucket on uh on aws and you can only batch delete photos from the command line interface ah that's fun like you have you have a select all feature, but you don't have a delete button there. Okay, oh, just... okay. <laughs> great. Uh, all right. Oh, and the select all only selects things on the page that you're on, not like all the items in the bucket, but just uh, like yes. on the active page that's lo- like it's like so this all the time, and I'm like, why? Like you know, the it's functionality so... exists because on yeah. the command line interface, you can just type a specific set of keys and then press enter and it does the thing that I wanted to do so that the functionality exists it's just that the UI they didn't bother to put the button there no it, it's it's to help the uh, AWS enterprise world of uh, like consultants and it's, support yeah. and yeah they, they say this about like SAP and all these like enterprise tools right that they specifically complex like it's user friendly enough so you, you always feel like ah oh, well it, it can be used but it's specifically complex and and uh, annoying enough, so you actually pay them like you know, extra fifty percent for support, or you hire a consultant, yeah. or you. I see Salesforce all the time for this, where it's like we have Salesforce, but we need a, a Salesforce guru to teach us to show us to do everything, and it's like wow, you know, like maybe I should just learn Salesforce and then be rich just off that because there's not yeah. there's infinite amount of work for it. Um, yeah. My my worst one, it was kind of. Like there's all kind of, you, you, we could talk about amazingly terrible stuff out there, but the worst whiplash I've had was on something that more, like, I guess most people would have used was going from Slack to Teams. This was a few years oh. ago when Teams is like, Teams is way better today. It, it genuinely yeah. is okay. But uh, yeah. when I, when I had to do it a few years ago, I just, I was so stifled in my communication. I was just, <laughs> I've choked. Like, Slack yeah. is probably too free for a lot of organizations and a bit too like, you know, open, but like Teams. Is, <laughs> it was terrible. Anyway. Yeah, I, so could, I just slow, couldn't believe it. Yeah, so clunky the whole thing, and you're like, you just, just started from scratch. How did you make a practice so much worse? <laughs> I just wanted to emoji react with something fun, and you had four default or five default yeah. emojis. You could. It's just like, where's the fun? Give me some sort of fun. That's all I want. Um, yeah. But the best one I had, and this is a few years ago when I felt this was um, zero, which which starts with an X. Um, and it was for accounting, so the complete opposite of the German experience. But it's it's only in place. I, I think it's in the Australia and New Zealand is where it emerged from. It then is now in the US and the UK. And uh, it's just it was the incredible leap forward in accounting, where it was like the first real cloud accounting software. 
and it was just so well done it was so well done it was very powerful they opened up of course they opened up like a platform so there's all sorts of plugins and um, apps so i don't know what they call oh, it's it great. you can it was great it was a very very nice bit of software um okay now we go to the questions that are less intense um, someone asks sparkling or still water <laughs> sparkling all the way i have a soda stream at home uh-huh i i hate it um I think it's a dumb machine that this is the definition of an over 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 engineered uh, thing. It like opens and folds and like it, you like back in the old good old socialist days in Hungary, you had <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> well, but just like you had, it's just a bottle with a uh, a small cartridge of CO two on top, and then you just press the lever and sparkly water came out. Like there was no, <laughs> there's nothing yeah. else you have to do. You just filled filled it with water. You put the cartridge in, uh, you press the lever, and the, the bottle itself. Uh, he, here, you have to have the bottle that you put in fold. Like it's, it's way too big, way too complicated. It accumulates water in random places. So I love the sparkling water. I hate the product, and I'm genuinely like thinking about throwing it away and just finding something else. <laughs> okay, so I can I can recommend you what this household has here, and it is the Arca or as we like to call it, the Aki, which is not how you pronounce it, but it's just kind of cute. That's because you're Australian. You're yeah, just... <laughs> yeah. It, it's like the shiny metal one that's fancy and costs more, and it does exactly the same thing. But it, it does. It just has a nice little lever, and it's a bit a bit nicer. Anyway, okay. I, I would say sparkling water as well, but only like as a treat. I don't want to be drinking that for like with my, I don't know, cereal in the morning. Like I want... I'm I don't 24 mean I'm having 7 ce- I don't mean I'm having cereal with water. I mean, as like my glass of water. Like, it's just wrong. It's You can't I'm have that sparkling much sparkling water. sparkling water, 24-7. <laughs> All right. You are wrong. <laughs> no worries. Um, uh, an opinion where you can't be wrong because it is literally just your own opinion rather than something where I can tell you that you're wrong. Uh, someone asks, what's your favorite book and do you prefer books, e-books, or audiobooks? Uh, I would say books and e-books are the same thing because you're reading them versus listening, but... Um, you can't say both is the only, is, is what this person said. So, uh, okay. book or, audio book books. Or, yeah, really? Ugh, terrible. Yeah. I love it. I, it's, I listen to it while I'm, uh, at the gym or going somewhere or whatever. Audiobooks. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So th- I wouldn't say this is my favorite book, but yeah, I yeah. just read it and it was very, 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 very cool. All right. It's I'm called, ready to, I'm g- about to type it. So what yeah. is it? It's called Piranesi. I can't type that. How do I spell this? P-I-R-A-N-E-S-I. Piranesi. Okay. It's a fantasy book, but it's not like elves and dwarves and orcs and whatever, but like it's um, about this person being in this this world where the entire world is a gigantic house with like a seemingly infinite set of rooms. And there's many, many really weird statues in all of them. Oh. Um, that's the entire world. He and uh, another person who he calls the other are the only people in this ro- in this world. But also, and there's nothing. There's like three levels. There's a sea on the bottom with fish and algae and birds. That's it. Um, but he has like a very clear uh, relationship with the real world because he's eating like multivitamins and like, you know, just like a lot of stuff that is, doesn't make sense. In, in isolation in this world and he's both somehow aware of these things and living in this world and it's him figuring out what the story here is and it's it's brilliant brain tease it's really short so it's not like you know you know it's a hundred hours 
it's it's great. It's, it's a fantastic, fantastic read if you want to try something. Okay, it seems to be written by Susanna Clark. Yep. it's got a it's got a pretty high four point two rating on uh, Goodreads. Whereas, like, yep. one of the best books you've ever read will be like three point five on Goodreads because so I don't know. This is what people do on with books. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, and you you consume that via audiobook. Yep. It's great. Oh, okay. Look, I don't do audiobooks, not because I don't want to. I just never have, I've just never quite fallen into it. And I just tend to just have my Kindle and just read books on that. Um, I always feel though that um, I don't, I don't know, like once I finish a book on my Kindle, it disappears from my brain because I don't see the, the cover of the book and I don't associate, I don't know, there's something about the cover of a book which makes it stick in your brain to some degree, I is my th- random theory. And so people will tell me about a book and I'll be like I think I've read that and then it'll be on my Kindle and it'll be 100% finished but I can't remember it because I just don't have like the the book in front of me so I definitely still prefer an old school book um, maybe an audio book is actually the way that I could make things last in my memory a bit better um, and I my favourite book um, I usually answer this by just saying Catch-22 because it's just incredible have you read it? nope oh, it's, yeah. uh, what a treat. I'll put it on my to-do list yeah, it's really thick. I've given it to a few people, the actual book, and they're like, yeah, this is great. And then no one finishes it because it just keeps going. But it's incredible. The, the ending is such a payoff as well. So Nice. That's my opinion. Um, okay, enough about books. Um, I thought we had one more question, but maybe we... maybe No, Martin, we're on to the ending the podcast with the trivia and fact corner uh, where I throw a number or two at you and we see where the conversation goes. So Martin... This week, just now, actually, in the last few hours, Amazon's published its annual letter, and that is worth a read. Um, it's always like a, a great read. And this year has comments on large language models, and Amazon isn't going to stop investing just because there's a downturn. And there's facts like Amazon's last mile transportation network in the US is now the size of UPS. And UPS started in 1907, and Amazon started in 2009. It's just the size it's always fun to be like well wow, i forget how big amazon is and like what's yeah. going on there but the point of uh this is that andy uh ceo andy jassy's annual compensation in 2021 was 212 million and that was related to his promotion to ceo and a big stuff grant and whatever martin this year 2020 sorry last year 2022 he earned 1.3 million and just 300,000 of salary so that's a fall of about two hundred and ten million dollars. Um, wow! Yeah, is um, it tied to like stock performance or? It's tied. It seems to be tied to everything. So we did get about a billion in stock awards, but like clearly the downturn has uh, destroyed his earning opportunities in the very short term. I don't think he's doing bad. But poor um, guy only made one point three billion dollars yeah, this year. But yeah. I mean, like for a CEO of Amazon, that's very little, yeah. <laughs> I honestly, it's extru. It, it's both the the turnaround and just the drop. That's like, I don't know. It's kind of it, if I was an Amazon shareholder, I would feel quite good about the fact that my CEO is now come down to earth. But what ha- what on earth happened in twenty twenty one to receive that much money? It's uh, the pandemic. The times are over. <laughs> the pandemic. Yeah, like it boosted. Uh, e-commerce and uh, online traffic, so like the two things that Amazon made all this money from, and both are down. I guess. No, it's not that I. It's not that I want an answer as to as to yeah. what. It's just more like how like can we just pay this guy twenty or thirty million a year rather than these one-offs? 
200 yeah. million and then the, the whiplash to 1 million. I don't know. It's just pretty crazy. Executive conversation is a, is a, is a topic. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, Martin, that's just about it for the podcast today. Um, thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, we, and thanks for watching. We, we looked at some stats the other day, which showed that, uh, way more people on Nebula are watching us rather than listening to us. So, um, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it they're, is. They're and seeing I, our beautiful faces. Yeah. I, did I, did I, I don't know if I sh I'm sharp enough for this video thing. <laughs> You're beautiful. You're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. <laughs> so are you. Um, okay. Uh, thanks. Thank yeah. You. So thanks again to everyone. Um, you can find Martin on Mastodon and, or our Discord server. Links uh, will be in the show notes. Um, I'm Tristan Rader on Twitter, which is still where I just default load up just to see what kind of mayhem's going on. Um, and yeah, thanks again for watching and listening, and we'll catch you next week. Indeed. And if you want to support the show, go to nebula.tv slash chillout. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.